Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for Season 3 of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You were not supposed to be drinking today. This was one of my few sober days, but something went wrong. And here I am drinking caraway spirit in this strange strange setting. The trip has come to besot the Russians. <laughs> so that's Azia Hramchenkova. Why does she have a sober day? Because she owns a bar, and boundaries are sometimes a good thing. Her bar is not just any bar. It's a phenomenal bar in a phenomenal drinking city, in a phenomenally drunk country that I happen to love dearly. Under Asia's steady pour, Bar Kronike has become a better representation of its city and its time through booze than any bar I've seen in a long time. We talked in a room at the Leningrad Documentary Film Studios in St. Petersburg, Russia, and we drank. This is Nathan Thornburg, and you're listening to The Trip from Roads and Kingdoms a podcast where I drink with exceptional people around the world. We should describe where we are. We're in Lendok, which is short for... So the Leningrad Documentary st- Film Studio, which is like the DEFA or Babelsberg of Leningrad, I guess. It's a pretty bitchin' building. They've got this lobby that looks like very Humphrey Bogart, you know. It's got some Klieg lights lighting up, very stylish, cozy chairs. And then uh, upstairs they have uh, some sound studios who've been kind enough to have the trip uh, in for some um, talking and drinking. Um, uh, so, Asya, I, um, I met you at a bar last night. The bar is your bar. Um, True. Yes. And it's a very, I think, an unusual place. So let's start right there with the bar Kroniki. What is it and why? Well, it's a bar located in the central district of St. Petersburg. And one, I'm one of the three owners. There are three of us, me and my partners, Gleb and Peter. We founded the bar in 2013. So this autumn, hopefully, we'll be celebrating five years. That's good. Of our way. That's yeah. like uh, in bar years. That's like at least thirty-five years old. Well, it's quite a lot for St. Petersburg because the industry here is young, and not not every place which opens survives for five years. So we are really glad about it. We try to combine the vibe of a local bar in the central street of a city with the like heritage and uh, the cultural heritage we could um, we treasure about St. Petersburg so to say yeah which uh, is which is what well it's uh, the drinking tradition it's the love to the city it's the um, the culture of the city, which we try to um, 
know and share with our friends, our regulars, the people who visit, and so on. So we, it's a very important part of our identity that we are a St. Petersburg bar. I would say that this is a like a crucial thing about us. This bar could not happen in any other city? I don't think so. So some of that heritage that I thought was super interesting just walking into the bar was that you see immediately the stand-up round table, like the Rumachnaya table. Tell me about what that legacy is, which is a kind of a, a Soviet legacy, not a Petersburg one, but what is that stand-up table about? Well, uh, in general, when we were talking about opening a bar and trying to figure out how should it look like and what should it um, show and offer people, uh, we thought that in Russia, due to our very uh, difficult 20th century... uh, Understatement, yes. We don't have like a smooth tradition of bars because the revolution happened and lots of other stuff happened. And we tried to imagine how could a bar look like if there was a smooth transition from the 19th to the 21st century and if this cultural culture has existed for the whole time. What would the St. Petersburg bar would look like? <laughs> so this is a bar where the 20th century never happened, thank God, <laughs> moving on. Well, hopefully this is like something we try to organize. And of course, we use the best practices uh, of the Soviet time as well, because drinking culture in the Soviet Union was quite strong. (laughs) I think (laughs) it's one of the strongest in the world. And uh, during the Soviet time, there were no bars, but there were rumachnes. It's like a shot, shot, um, like a shot bar, shot bars or something. All right. Usually quite small places where uh, vodka was served by the glass. And it wasn't a place where you were supposed to spend a lot of time. So the point was that you could uh, go there, have a quick shot, and then go on with your journey or whatever. It was very popular, both for the working class, the uh, university lecturers, anyone. Uh, to visit such places. And one of the central uh, characteristics of this place was this standing table, hmm. which is called stayachka. Stayachka. <laughs> it's... A stander. Yeah. A st- something. Probably, yeah. yeah. Um, so when we were opening the bar, we decided that certainly we should have at least one stander, <laughs> standing table, because the bar counter is not always... Uh, enough for everyone. Uh, and in general, uh, people in St. Petersburg love to drink while standing. It's like the huge difference between St. Petersburg and Moscow. People in Moscow usually prefer to sit down and eat while drinking. And people in St. Petersburg, they stand and they don't drink, don't eat that much. These are serious drinkers, professional drinkers. True. <laughs> <laughs> Impressive northern drinkers. Yeah, so the standing table is a very important part of our bar. We couldn't squeeze in more, but we have one, and it's one of the favorite features of our place to me. I I mean, I imagine a stayachka, I was uh, not old enough to uh, 
indulge in that when I visited the Soviet Union in like 1990. But I imagine that it's a place with some pretty rough alcohol, like not very thoughtful alcohol, <laughs> if you could put it like that. We'll talk about the things that you serve and source uh, at the bar, but like, it, it, is it different now that somebody's paying a little bit more and having actually a pretty exquisite drink uh, rather than just like some grain alcohol to, you know, put their worries out of their misery for a little bit? Well, we try to cater to all interests. So we have alcohol in all the price ranges. Of course, we do look at the quality. How did you get into Kroniki? Like, how did you become a bar owner? It's a funny story. Uh, I used uh, to work in an NGO, and I worked in child protection for six or seven years. Here in Petersburg? Yeah, here in Petersburg and traveled a lot. And then I I think I got burned out and I wanted to change something. And a friend of mine, like one of my current partners, Gleb, he was working as a journalist and then started working at a bar in the evenings. And we were talking about changing our lives because he was also bored with his uh, press work and I couldn't find anything instead of my NGO work which would inspire me. <laughs> so we started joking about opening a bar because we did spend some time in bars <laughs> <laughs> and we started discussing how fun it could be and how would we do it and what would we involve and how could it look like. And we kept returning to that subject many, many times. And suddenly, like in several months, we both realized that it already it stopped being a joke. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's always a good time to start a business. We suddenly realized yeah. that we were pretty serious about the whole thing. Yeah. And then we decided that we need a third person. Yeah. To, to balance us out and also for the money because we counted our own resources and realized that we need more. Yeah, yeah. And we invited our friend Peter, who joined us happily. And who's also a journalist. Yes, he's also a journalist. And among us, he's the only one who continues to work as a journalist uh -huh. full time. Well, I mean, I know that we have a lot of journalists that listen to this podcast uh, and follow R&K more generally. I think it's great career advice if journalism is like a drag, which it uh, it really can be sometimes, and you find yourself in bars a lot, maybe, you know, think about doing that because <laughs> it could work. The The style of the bar, the kind of liquors that you serve on, on, on the edges of the menu, at least, there's a lot of like Baltic and Northern, like Nordic influence. Um, I think, right? I mean, that's there. It feels like it feels like that's a conscious statement about the culture of Petersburg, uh, on some level. That this is not Moscow um, for a lot of reasons, but one of them is that there's a larger kind of there's a larger region that Petersburg is a part of. True, like we are located in the northwest, and Saint Petersburg was was built like the window to Europe, and Saint Petersburg always. Uh, used to and still does look more to the Europe than to the Mo Moscow direction. Yeah. So yeah. Saint Petersburgers consider many of us consider them themselves more like more Europeans than 
the rest of Russia. Yeah. I think it it's fair to say that. Even the architecture of the city is much more European than in any other city of Russia. Yeah. And the culture itself is tends to be like more on the European side. Yeah. I mean it's 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 classical European but also with that like touch of Russian bombast. I mean we were in the car coming over here and I was just saying that like it's like every square here has a palace that, you know, of which there would be one or two in like some other European city. But no, that wasn't good enough for St. Petersburg. Somehow there needs to be a palace like every 500 yards and, you know, a giant chaussee and a uh, a park to the heroes. And it's like, it's it's uh, it's impressive. It's it's a little oppressive. Like it's a little, it's intimidating, this city is. Well, it was built like a capital of an empire. So yeah, no wonder it <laughs> yeah. looks quite impressive. Nothing too True. big for the empire. Um, but So we are located in the northwest and like... With our uh, regionalism yeah. <laughs> and our local patriotism, right? we try to express it also in the assortment of drinks we offer. So we try to search out local stuff in the first place. For that local patriotism. And, and tell me about, you have one house, house cocktail. Yeah, we have one house cocktail. It's called the Free Ingria. Ingria actually is the name our part of Russia was called uh, before the... Before Saint Petersburg even was built, like oh, really? this, this was the, uh, the old name of this in Germanlandia of this land, and it consists like of the best of our region: uh, vodka, cranberry, and cloudberry. So we tried to combine all the local stuff we could imagine, right? And it, also there are some other. Secret ingredients. But, oh, and just, it's a. This is a small podcast. You can tell me. It's it's a humble no, I endeavor. <laughs> oh man, uh, right. you're gonna have to try this at home. Come, just scour the Nordic forest uh, and try to come back with some secret ingredient that you can put into your free ingria. Yeah, but it turned out pretty well. People do like it and drink it a lot. So it's our signature, the only signature cocktail we have. Uh, so what does it mean to? Free Ingria is this like a, is this a, a call to arms? A uh, a don't tread on me. Like is what's the, what's the statement? Or is it just saying we live free up here? The statement is like the independence from Moscow, maybe the independence from the rest of Russia. Like we here in the north are, we have our own mind. We are a little bit on our own compared to the rest of Russia. So many people joke that. Helsinki is much closer to St. Petersburg than Moscow. Right. Which, and, is, not, which is actually not a joke. Right. It's true. <laughs> That's an actual fact. <laughs> Correct. So we tend sometimes to feel more um, in common with our northern neighbors than with our southern or western neighbors. By the way, I've never seen this. I, I keep a bottle of black balsams in my cabinet at home that I got from friends. I used to live in Latvia. I feed it to people who visit me, and they spit it out immediately. It's a, it's a very uh, intense flavor for uh, us delicate Americans. Um, <laughs> Try it with tea. With tea? Okay. 
it goes very well with black tea. Uh, there you go. Uh, it's uh, for for the uninitiated. It, it's a little bit of an herbal liqueur, got slight like uh, you know cousin style relationship to Jägermeister or something. Although it's far better as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but you have like you don't just have a balsams like you have like a lot of different kinds of like Baltic balsam liqueurs. Yeah, we try to offer like really any, everything we could find from our neighboring countries. Yeah. Like the Estonian, the Vanatalen, yeah. and the the balsams and lots of Finnish stuff. Yeah. Because we have quite a huge assortment of Finnish drinks, including like the from the roots, uh, like the Laponia liquors, yeah. the berry liquors, to the newest things like the Nordic gin. Yeah. which was produced uh, like several months ago. But didn't the Finns like want Hitler to destroy the city so they could take everything north of the Nieva? Like, <laughs> I mean, uh, I, it's a long time ago, I guess, but I still think about that uh, somehow. Well, I wouldn't go deeply into that, <laughs> but actually large part of the Leningrad region was there's like... Not a long time ago, so... So they were residents of Ingria themselves? They were residents of Komarovo themselves, like, 50 years ago. So, oh! Well, no, it's 50, 70, so... Got it. So they had their dachas ex- expropriated. True. So Komarovo is the dacha neighborhood. It's all very close yeah. here, and yeah. the history of the 20th century is so intense that no wonder they were, and still are, questions to each other, but... We uh, try to be a part like, of the northern community. <laughs> <laughs> so don't let me start any shit. <laughs> you guys are, are going to get along well. And besides, as you had said at the very beginning, yours is a bar where the 20th century didn't happen. So uh, hypothetically. Only the the standard part. <laughs> that's right. Only the Stajetska, uh standing table. Um, I think, to be fair uh, to ourselves and to our listeners... I think right now we should uh, pause this and go get some of that alcohol and we'll just have a little tasting. Okay, let's do that. I made Asya bring shot glasses uh, from her bar uh, along with the alcohol and I, I felt like your barman was, was not happy. I felt like he was like, what? no, you can't take these glasses from the bar. Um, no, <laughs> so. he was okay. He was. All right. Well, tell him, uh, give him my apologies. We could have just used the coffee mugs here. Uh, and they also have glasses and shot glasses as well. <laughs> you just didn't notice. I told you Russians are heavy drinkers. We're prepared, yes. What What would a sound studio be uh, in Leningrad, uh, Leningrad documentary film studio without having uh, shot glasses? Indeed. So here we are. Um, you brought uh, three things for us to taste uh, and we're just gonna like sip them and make lip, lip smacking noises and uh, and uh, talk about what we're tasting to see if we can arouse some sort of FOMO uh, in the people listening out there. So the first thing I wanted you to taste is an apple cider made here in St. Petersburg. These the, are the, the three guys. No, not the three guys. Oh no, the, those the, are the beer brewers. Uh, bigger team, like the, I think there are. Five or six of them at the moment. They started making cider at their own dacha, and now they become quite successful cider makers for the northwest and 
maybe the rest of Russia. I don't know about the rest, but I won't be surprised. So, so dachas, by the way, because I realize this is probably not a known quantity to a lot of people. They are the Russian summer houses where everybody goes uh, and, you know, kids spend the whole summer there and everybody has their gardens and they go to essentially get the city out of their blood a little bit. Is that about about right? Yeah. And they started first with uh, apples from their own uh, dachas. Then they started collecting apples from friends, then from friends of friends. And now every autumn they have a huge apple searching project oh, wow. online. Really? They offer to come and collect all the apples and then they uh, pay the people who share the apples with them with cider. Okay. So, I, if I had a lot of apples, that's a deal that I would make. Because many people do have dachas and they have apple trees, yeah. but they have absolutely no time or interests or, or wish to collect them themselves, and they don't need that many anyway. Yeah. So how many apples you probably can eat or bake in pies. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. Like, so those guys collect them, and it's an absolutely local product, yeah. and they make cider and different variations of cider from them. They're okay. they're called On the Bones. On the Bones. And this one in particular is very interesting. Uh, it's called Burn It Down Eve. It's <laughs> a very ag- aggressive title. I don't know what Eve did to deserve this, but... Well, it, it, it's it, punk it, rock. in Russia, it's also, it sounds quite punky. Uh, it's a smoked cider. So they uh, smoked the apples on real wooden coals. Okay. And afterwards, they used the smoked apples to make cider. So it's really peaty. It's unlike any other cider I personally have tried before. Wow. A peaty cider. Okay. Yeah. If you are the person into single malt scotch and especially Isla... Yeah, yeah. You will like this stuff. Let's do it. I mean, obviously, most Russians aren't drinking in a podcast studio. Um, so I don't want to. Never like, done this before. <laughs> I don't want to translate. But do you like clink glasses? Do you say something? What's the, what's, what's the proper thing to do before we actually start drinking? Usually, we do clink glasses. All right, let's do it. And we never, ever say Nazdarovia. Nazdarovia does not exist. It does not exist, except in movies. When American actors say Nazdarovia. I have no idea other. where it came from, but I, no Russian ever says this. <laughs> Unless he's paid to by Hollywood. You uh, can toast, you can say to whatever good words you uh, have in mind, to whatever uh, wishes you have in mind, like have a good time here in St. Petersburg. Hey, <laughs> thank you. All right. That is, like, pretty astonishing. It's like if Lagovelin made love with some sort of, like, apple cider from Vermont, then you would have this, like, peaty, sharp, pretty applish, pretty fucking delicious drink. And it's absolutely dry, of course. So no, Right. It's, right. No, no sugar sweetness. at all. Right. Like, the smoke, what happened? The smoke took all the sugar out? Is it something else in their process? As, as secret as the ingredients in your signature cocktail? I think the secret is that the northern apples aren't very su- 
really very sweet on their own. So they don't get much sun and the weather is quite sad. <laughs> so this is like the taste of the northern apple. Right. You wouldn't get this from like a richer... In Andalusia, no. It would, yeah. it would be very different. <laughs> that is true. And they make cider uh, throughout. Obviously, cider is a huge part of Asturian culture and like a lot of places in Europe. Uh, I have never even come close to imagining a smoked cider, though. I mean, they must maybe they make it somewhere else, but this is the first time I've had it, and that's pretty cool. For me as well. And it's really very refreshing. It, it's a pity. It's a limited edition, but maybe they'll do it again next season, hopefully. Uh, oh, right. I, I should totally add for people listening, these alcohols are utterly unavailable wherever you are, unless you're in Petersburg. And even then, it's probably hard to get unless you go to Bar Kroniki. Here's what you got to do. Go get some of Mark's, uh, Mike's hard cider or like, you know, one of those big Costco brand ciders in the States and then add some model uh, toy train liquid smoke to it. And you'll have... Maybe uh, some Boomer. <laughs> some Boomer? Boomer. Whiskey. Oh, or, some Boomer. Okay. Uh, well, that's that's getting closer to a, a more serious recipe. Um, <laughs> I think I think I think probably you're going to fall short of this no matter what you do. But yeah, take some cider and and throw some uh, single malt in there, and you might you might be on your way. Um, that is super fucking delicious. That's my official that's my official rating scale. What do you smell? I'm just smelling the smoke. So it's crazy. very strange, yeah. It's a really, it is, it's like a, a little disconcerting because you are getting two very different drinks in one somehow. I've drank it several times, but I'm always surprised. <laughs> Nevertheless, it's it's just so strange. Well, I, I was I was telling you last night, I'm on this smoke kick. I've got this little like smoke infusion gun, which makes me the most hated person in, in my uh in my household, because I'm constantly lighting hickory on fire to like smoke the popcorn or something, which is a little gratuitous. Uh, but one of the things that you realize is that it's hard to like make that smoke stick. Like in order to have smoked these apples in such a way that when you press them and then age them and then make cider out of them, it still tastes like a single malt, like a PT single malt. There's something very unusual going on there. Pretty refreshing at the same time. Oh, it's good. Uh, yeah. Although it's smoked, so it's a strange thing, but cool. I like it. All right. That was a success. We're going to move to, uh, should we, what do we have at next? That's an IPA. India Pale Ale. India Pale Ale. It's a beer uh, brewed in Karelia. It's the northwest of Russia. So Karelia is this place of my imagination i've never been there but i've seen the pictures and it is like the best of norway it's like fjords and you know yeah, evergreen that's what it forests looks like. and it's incredible and it's right it's just in the north of st petersburg so uh this is a proof that the craft beer revolution has landed not only in huge cities but also already in the province so to say yeah so, it's not a St. Petersburg or Moscow thing. It's absolutely Karelian. And the guys who brew those beers, um, they name them after different villages in Karelia. So uh -huh. this one is named Samatos, and it's called this way after a village called Sambuksa. Sambuksa, which to me also does not it's sound It's a Karelian Russian. word. Yeah. yeah. It's, 
So there's, they have their own language up there, or used they to? They used to. And on every bottle, they put the name of the village or of the place the sort is named after, mm. and the geographical coordinates, so the numbers. <laughs> and this exactly. one is IPA. It's quite bitter, like, uh, I think, 68 IBU. Okay. The international That's a bitterness yeah. units, and it's also quite heavy. It's like a good symbol of the strong northern spirit. <laughs> How the people in the north <laughs> imagine their beer. That's right. I want it bitter and very strong because uh, I'm a Karelian. Damn it. Uh, so tell me, um, the the you said these are not city people. These are people from the provinces. Are they like hipster brewmasters? Like. What's their what's their vibe and their motivation? Uh, well, I haven't met exactly the guys who brewed this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they probably are quite young and creative guys uh, who could, could, could started be something like that. Could yeah. be hipsters. Yeah. But the, my point is that they don't come from St. Petersburg or any other city with population over a million. So right. it's certainly a very small city. Yeah. But the like the energy, the life, the ideas are brewing everywhere. Yeah. Not only in the capitals, but also in the whole country. That's my point. The ideas are brewing. <laughs> All right. Cheers to that. Uh, cheers. Uh, Zanas. All right. We're doing it. Wow. Holy California, Batman. That's a, that is a very... Uh, that feels like a very international or like West Coast, like dank, you know, kind of weed floral IPA. I'm these are all personally. I'm not a beer drinker. Yeah, but I like the aroma a lot. So yeah, it's, it's like, very aromatic. It's, it's very big. rich in flavor. Yeah. yeah, this is a big beer. This is not a go, you know, hydrate quietly beer. This is like. You better be ready. I feel like if 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 I were a sophisticate, I would give tasting notes or something. I I feel like there's some fruit in there. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's just like it's a lot. Whatever it is, it's like a very, it's a very complex flavor. Yeah, indeed. yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hide behind your explanation. And it's to... bitter, and it's a little bit. There is some sweetness in the aftertaste. That's right. Because with the with the burn eve burn, of course, you just get this huge mouth of smoke, kind of after like that's that's the that's the feeling. Although it's not oppressive or anything, but this, like, yeah, it has this kind of um, it's like a dish almost. <laughs> you know, it's like it's, it's a lot going on in this beer. But at the same time, I think it's absolutely international. So I w- wouldn't be surprised to try this in a craft beer bar anywhere yeah so it's like and the level of realization is is great. quite high <laughs> oh yeah no it's a great let me just make it very clear this is a fucking fantastic ipa the kind which like san diegans would be proud to to drink you know um but that's interesting because that kind of makes another point it's regionally it's very specific and um and that corelia is making you know high quality beer you know in these kind of small batch Environment is interesting, but it's not a it's not a regional flavor necessarily. I mean, I, I'm 
And it's know. not like a DIY, look, we did our best, and that's what we came up with. <laughs> yeah, right. You're, you're not, you don't have to grade this beer on a curve just because it's Corellians that made it. This is like, this is a, a, a pretty badass IPA, um, which is interesting. I got to say, like, it's pretty, pretty cool that, like, that culture would spread, I'm sure, through online and little magazines and just people starting to think, like, okay, this is how I did it. This is my experiment. And then somehow you get people who uh, turn into really excellent brewers uh, in a place like Corellia, which stretches all the way to the Arctic. (laughs) As we discussed. (laughs) (laughs) Kids, it does not. Don't listen to me. What's next? Uh, the next and last for our show. <laughs> for the show, we're gonna we'll just keep drinking for hours <laughs> after the show. But the last for the show, it's uh, this is not a cider, not a beer. Finally, this is strong alcohol. What we specialize in, <laughs> the Russians. <laughs> Finally, we've made it back to Russia. And it's a distillate, a spirit, yeah, made of caraway seeds. Caraway seeds. Yeah, it's also very super small batch. Yeah. Uh, it's a team uh, located in Pushkinsky Gore. This is not far from Pskov. Yeah. Also the northwest of Russia, clo- yeah. closer to es- the Estonian border. It's a very beautiful place to be. And uh, they started producing their own strong alcohols, uh, which they distribute only in bars so far. Okay. You cannot find it in stores, nowhere. And they basically try to uh, produce spirits from anything they could can reach. So, <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, they, that could go very badly, depending if they were... Here in the north, we don't have uh, grapes, right. sadly. So they use wheat, they use um, apples, of course, which we have yeah. plenty. They use peas, they use buckwheat, they use... Like, whatever they can find. Yeah, amazing. And here, in our case, uh, they used caraway seeds. And wh- why caraway? Like, I, I, I have to say, I, I know that Germans put caraway on bread sometimes. Like, I, I really don't know a lot about caraway. It grows here natively? It's like, I, I'm not sure how it grows. Never thought about that. But it's quite commonly used in the kitchen of the northern countries. Oh, uh, okay. It, yeah, and uh, this one, I think it's pretty good. It's at the same time, it's a very gastronomic drink. I'd say I can imagine it going very well with uh, snacks like zakuski. Yeah, uh, with fish or with meat or with any pickled uh, vegetable, which Russia is very famous for. But also, to me, it goes very well on its own. Right. Strangely. So usually it's either or situation. And this one is good. Can, can do a little bit of both. Yeah, it can do both. It's good enough pure. It's good enough at a table. So try it. Um, all right. Uh, Nastrovia. <laughs> terrible. To me, this taste is like very, very Nordic. It's, I mean, I I don't know if I'm having some kind of like Pavlovian connection between this flavor and the bread, but to me, it tastes like a like a really rich 
amazing pumpernickel or something, that aftertaste. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got, there's something that, I mean, it's it's definitely a spirit. Like, it's a it's a high alcohol it's spirit. It's 38 and a half. Right. This is even bigger than that IPA. Um, <laughs> but it's, but it's, it, you're right, it's got this like kind of, gastronomic thing, right? It feels like a meal or, I don't know. It's very smooth. And yet, right, it's also very smooth, um, which is not always true of uh, some of the alcohol that I've had in Russia. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of great I can alcohol, imagine but... drinking a lot of that right, and right. not getting bored. So. That's, I mean, what, what higher praise could there be of a spirit? I can drink a lot of this and not get bored. I'm going to try drinking a lot of it right now. I mean, again, I've just like, this is what you want when you're traveling too, right? Like, here I come to St. Petersburg, which, I, you know, I don't know well, and I, you know, I haven't been to in a long time. And you walk into a bar and you get served flavors that you've never had before, that are not just flavors that you haven't come across, but they're actually from that region. And that's like this is a thing that they do. Like, out, out, out by Pskov, they make alcohol with caraway seeds, and I'd never had that flavor before. And it's like, fucking great. I'm very happy because it's also strong alcohol. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's why I think Kroniki is so great. Like, this is a place that can actually deliver a very concentrated dose of the region to you. And by the way, St. Petersburg is, I'm like most assholes who come to this place. I'm going to go stay a few nights in St. Petersburg and then go to Moscow and then go home. Right. But the ability to kind of bring in all of those flavors from Karelia or Pskov or, you know, like these Baltic flavors and offered in a bar setting or something is like, is such a service. So. Well, we try to, as I told, we try to search out the the best among the all the possibilities our region has to offer. And I think it's the, I think it's the right strategy for like any bar to try to show the best that they can find. Yeah, but people are probably pretty lazy, too. Well, we also are very lazy, but... (laughs) You pick your moments. Nevertheless, after five years of working, we are very enthusiastic about alcohol. (laughs) So so we enjoy the process of searching out new things, trying them, and sharing them with people. Aza, you've, you've donated a sober day to this show, and I cannot thank you enough. I appreciate it. Thanks. Hope to see you in Kroniki again. The Trip is hosted by me, Nathan Thornburg. Produced by Josie Holtzman and Future Projects. Our editor is Taffy Mokanyadze. Our executive producers are me and Matt Goulding of Roads and Kingdoms. Special thanks to Dan the Automator for the beats and Adele Rodriguez for the art. Next Monday, The Trip will be back with Nicole Choi, a D.C. school teacher obsessed with recreating a cut-rate army cornbread that her mom grew up on after the Korean War. We'll see you there. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for Season 3 of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.